Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. Who the fuck is PFC William T. Santiago? He's dead because he had no honor, and God was watching. They didn't like him, so they killed him. We follow orders or people die. It's that simple. I believe I did my job, and I will not dishonor myself, my unit, or the Corps, so that I can go home in six months. You and Dawson, you both live in the same dream world. It doesn't matter what I believe. It only matters what I can prove. Uh, welcome, everyone, to the inaugural episode of Trailer Park. Preach! Where we appreciate movies. Andrew, welcome. Uh, hello. We have chosen as our inaugural episode of this idea. Um, we've been inspired by many different other podcasts that like to obsess and appreciate movies. But we've chosen one just to get started with A Few Good Men, just because we need one to start with. And uh, it seems seems like a, a good place to start. I don't really it's have any a, other reasons for you other than that. It's safe. <laughs> yeah, it is safe. That's true. Yeah. And it was gonna... the safe pick, which means the next one's going to be the unsafe pick. Well, we might have to flip a coin because we're going to take ah. turns picking the movies that we're going to appreciate. And there is a chance when you dive deep into a movie and you evaluate it very thoroughly, there's a chance that you walk away feeling differently about it. I don't think that I have necessarily walked away feeling differently about A Few Good Men. How, how, how did you take it, Andrew? Uh, this is one of those films that... I seem to catch almost yearly for some reason. It's either on TV or I feel like watching a courtroom drama and this is what comes up and I watch it. I just enjoy this film and I've seen it a lot. Um, well, it's on, so it's my on thoughts TV are, a lot. are pretty unchanged also. I just know more about it after this last little bit of watching. That's fair. Came out um, December 11th, 1992. I don't remember the first time I watched it, but... I was surprised to find out that it was a holiday movie, that it came out at Christmas time. Oh, that's interesting. I definitely didn't watch this when it first came out. I would have uh, rented this on VHS. <laughs> um, and this would have been the first movie that wasn't uh, an action film or a cult film that I really enjoyed, which was probably around 96 when I saw this. Um, and it, it kind of dropped me into the drama genre where I started enjoying drama films. So you can blame this movie for me liking slow, long dramas. <laughs> well. It's responsible. This movie has an amazing amount of rewatchability. However, after watching this movie several times and picking it apart and clipping things from it, I have found that's, that, as usual, when I watch movies, I have found that I could improve them. If they, had, <laughs> if they had just talked to me, if they yep. had just let me know what they were doing and laid it out for me, I would have been able to say, hey, guys, that, no, that, no, you know, Aaron, hey, Aaron, Aaron, who says that? Who talks like that? Uh, people in the JAG Corps. Stop it. That's who? His sister. Persian Bazaar Manor? That's regular everyday vocabulary for Joanne Galloway? I don't think so, Aaron. That doesn't work. Those words must have come out of his sister's mouth. I understand what you're trying to say, and it's a very eloquent uh, metaphor. However, it's not natural speech. Right. Now, what's going to happen here is you're going to give me all this information today, and my thoughts will have changed on this film by the end of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll walk away from the podcast feeling different. All right. right. Okay. Yeah. Well, we've agreed that the first part of this podcast, or these Preach. 
podcasts are going to be um, following a specific format. We're going to be testing out the format. We're going to see how well it goes. May change things up, maybe not. But we're going to start out with the deets. And the details are things like the cast and the financials. And I'm going to let you tell me things about the cast. But I'm going to tell you that this movie made a significant amount of money. Right. It had a budget okay. of $33 million And... It well, made spit it out. two hundred. What, what do they make? Two hundred thirty-six million worldwide. One hundred forty-one million domestically. I worked. That out is a the, significant. The two thirty-six, two hundred thirty-six million adjusted for inflation would put it in the five hundred million range nowadays. So yeah, very successful financially all around. I'm sure we'll. You'll also uh, stroke yourself while you talk about awards as well. Uh, well, yeah, a little bit. They kind of uh, didn't get any. So. Yeah. yeah, only movie nominated that year to not win any of their nominations, but they were nominated. So Yeah, nominated for four at the Academy, which so, is yeah. really the only nominations I'm going to talk about because um, everything else is leads to that. Sure. Anyway, uh, let's... I can, I'll, I'll bring up uh, the players here. So we start with the director, Rob Reiner, and... I remember going through lists uh, previously about a year ago, um, lists of directors who had made five five great movies in a row. And there's not very many directors that have made five great movies in a row. Now, I would like to inform you of Rob Reiner's directing credits here from, we'll do five in a row. I'm looking at them right now. So if we go backwards, A Few Good Men, Misery, When Harry Met Sally, The Princess Bride, and Stand By Me. Yeah, he makes watchable movies for sure. That is five really good movies. I haven't seen North, but then The American President is after that, which I, for some reason, love that movie. <laughs> which which The American President? Yeah. Oh, I'm with you 100%. Yeah. We're going to have to preach that one. So that'll be at a Sorkin, Sorkin 2.0. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting because all five of those movies... I think are it, it dropped are though. very good. It dropped off at some um, point. I think when the when year two thousand hit, he just fucked off. Well, no, but the just the thing of of five good movies. Mm-hmm. I I feel like he did that's it. Fine. Yeah, that's fine. I'm just saying that five. he didn't continue. That no, he he no. he's a, he's a part of the five in a row club, sure, but he's also a part of the you lost the magic and never really got it back club as well. Yes, which is really, yeah, he's taken a nosedive for sure. Well, he got too political, which is another problem with Hollywood people. Sometimes they start to think like, hey, my opinion means a lot because I make movies. and It counts more. Yeah, and then someone has to tell you that, oh, guess what? Now half of the people that used to like you couldn't give, a, couldn't give a fuck <laughs> about you anymore. And that's uh, that's too bad because no one cares about your political opinion, Rob. Yeah. Sorry. Well, I'm sure some people do, but well, even this has a bit of a tone to it. It's like the underlying. I don't know if we want to get into this yet, but the underlying theme here is like an attack on the military complex or the military installation, the mentality of how they right. handle themselves, and it's attacking that. And it's but honestly, you can't, you can't blame Rob Reiner for that. Who you can blame for that would be the screenwriter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is Aaron Sorkin. And this nice is his first film screenplay. Um, and that's pretty impressive to me. Um, I'm a fan of Aaron Sorkin. I think I only haven't seen one of the movies that he's written. Um, yeah, I'm just going through his movies here. And 
I've enjoyed a lot of his stuff. I was very anti-newsroom, but that seems to be only that only seems to be a blemish. And I don't watch TV, so I haven't seen West Wing or Newsroom. Well, Newsroom, or sorry, West Wing was kind of inspired by the American president. Right. Like Martin, so I would probably Martin really Sheen. like that then. Well, Martin Sheen <laughs> was the vice president in The American President, and he was the president in The West Wing. Right. Interesting. So, yeah, and Sports Night, I've heard, is, is good from Daniel. He's told me Sports Night was good. And I just don't give a shit about the newsroom, and that's it, because I really like Social Network. Charlie Wilson's War was good. Moneyball is addictive for me. Yeah, I really like it, and I'm not even a baseball fan, so. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I could actually... Pretty much all of these movies, so Molly's Game, Steve Jobs, Moneyball, Social Network, Charlie Wilson's War, American President, I Haven't Seen Malice, and A Few Good Men, all of these movies I've seen many times. Like, yeah, that's pretty That's pretty impressive. He he definitely writes rewatchable films for me. Started directing too, but I haven't seen Molly's Game yet, so I don't know how well he did. Yeah, when I first watched it, I was uh, a little iffy, but I've I've seen it like three times now. <laughs> so apparently, <sighs> it's not that it's not that bad. Uh, anyway, let's move on. We got some some cast here. This might be the luckiest draw for both uh, Reiner and Sorkin. This cast is amazing. Uh, it's Tom Cruise in the lead. Uh, Reiner said that he is doing comedy. This is apparently. Tom Cruise in comedy. Um, Jack Nicholson being Jack Nicholson. I think this is uh, why every a bunch of people think that he's one of the greatest actors uh, because he used to have performances like this. Just like every line. It's great. Demi Moore having a little bit of a struggle before this, I guess, the year before. Auditioned. Took a pay cut. Yeah. Uh, which is and I think symbolic the other... of her whole role in this, getting ignored throughout the whole... <laughs> film the other the Just, other women that were up for this role i think would have been better who was up who was up for it uh jodie foster was one of them oh yeah and i'll find the other one continue speaking um well next up we got uh surprise for me uh kevin bacon in this role is interesting he seems like uh a-list actor doing pretty minor part which is strange to me I think the, anyway. the, the play got a lot of uh, positive hoopla and a lot of people were interested in this project and wanted to be involved in it. You see Kiefer Sutherland in there in a minor role as well. Yeah. And, um, but I will say that Kevin Bacon wasn't as A-list as you're suggesting he was at that moment. No, this is post Footloose. <laughs> well, Footloose doesn't make <laughs> you A-list. Oh, I thought it did. No. Uh. Okay. I'll That's get in. Fair. I'll get into bacon here. Um, yeah. So while well, you mentioned Kiefer Sutherland, uh, I guess next up would be my favorite person in this film, which is Kevin Pollock. who's just wonderful. First film role for him, I think. That's good. Good information. Information I should probably have, but don't. Well, first, um, first major one, anyway. Yeah. I'm gonna bring them both up. Kevin Bacon. Sorry to go back to him, but uh, before Few Good Men, so from Footloose. A uh, movie called Quicksilver, which I haven't seen. Um, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, minor role. She's having a baby. Never saw that. Uh, Tremors, Flatliners, He Said, She Said, JFK, minor role, Few Good Men. So it's not oh, like, yeah. I mean, after after Few Good Men, sure. Air Up There, River Wild, Murder in the First, Apollo 13. Shit rolled. Yeah. After Uphill. So he won. He's the winner, hey? <laughs> 
<laughs> what? He's the winner of what? Person uh, that benefited the most from this movie? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. Pollack had a huge jump in exposure after this. I'd say Pollack's right up there, too. Right up there, yeah. Yeah, he was in... Pollack had some TV stuff. Oh, he went from A Few oh, Good Men to oh, Wayne's right. World 2. He did Willow. Oh, yeah. He was in Usual Willow. Suspects, Casino, Canadian Bacon, Grumpier Old Men. Yeah, in, in an interview about this movie, he mentioned... When he was asked about what movies he had he had been in before this, he mentioned Willow and Ricochet. He, he's the guy from Willow and Ricochet. What is he doing here? Interesting. And, and then he um, he gets this role only because Jason Alexander backed out because of Seinfeld. Oh, thank goodness. That would have been weird. That would have been weird. Yeah. I feel uh, I really enjoy every single line that he says is hilarious to me. Like I am, I'm laughing every time he opens his mouth um yeah Kevin well, chelsea great. and i were talking and we thought it would be a funny uh component of Preesh. to have to pick out which character would be the intern character <laughs> or the character that most embodies the intern and he's a dead ringer for that yeah that's why i like him so much i can relate <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny uh the next one who i think well could be another runner-up would be jt walsh because he kills himself. Walsh. So yeah, Walsh was good in everything he ever did. Yeah, and uh, Rob Reiner also toots Walsh's horn big time because he kept on saying, "Well, if everyone can just act as good as uh, J.T. Walsh, then this will this will be the best thing ever made." Mm. So the other actresses that were up for Joanne Galloway were Linda Hamilton and Michelle Pfeiffer. Hamilton would, have been, um, Hamilton would have been interesting. That would have been interesting. That's at this Hamilton that's at, and Foster, I think, would be yeah, would be interesting. The problem that I have, and this may seem sexist, but that's okay because there's a lot of sexism in this movie. Oh, it is rampant, dripping in your face, dripping with it. Yeah, um, is that I think that she's too attractive for this role. That she was, uh, yeah. So popular, Linda famous would have actress. been the right person yes. then. Yes, yeah, I think so because. I think one one of the uh, questions that was brought up to Sorkin was like, why why is uh, Joanne Galloway's character a girl if they're not gonna sleep? Ah, that's one of the things. That's the first thing I wrote down is which <laughs> had me laughing my ass off. Yeah, and Sorkin was all self righteous in his response. Yeah, uh, instead of the truth, are. which is probably I, I said the obvious answer: women have purpose other than to sleep with Tom Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he said it was the worst incident or the worst experience of his screenwriting career oh my god well it's that's based, hilarious it's based off his sister's recollections of a similar event right so yeah i obviously the character had to remain female for him and his brain and he had probably very little control over who got cast so yeah well yeah i don't know i think why not this doesn't seem like it her role or like pretty much any other role i would say with the exception of probably uh colonel jessup's could have been a woman and my brain would be thinking everything's normal well and the only reason i think it wouldn't be with colonel jessup is because i don't think there's at this point in time any colonel women in u.s military well the cuban lunch scene would be difficult if it was it a woman. would be <clears throat> you're talking nonsense listen I'm going to tell you what. This character is also... Joanne Galloway's character is the weakest 
written character. Oh, by far. And she's constantly flopping around in her opinions and using vocabulary that doesn't belong to anyone except maybe Aaron Sorkin. And <laughs> and it's it's unsettling. Like that's a, that's one of the things I walk away from watching this and uh, analyzing it so thoroughly is that that character is weak, very weak. And I I'm going to be pointing out the hypocrisies and the fun ridiculousness of Joanne Galloway because if that's if you base it on your sister then you must think your sister's a, you know, fairly stupid. <laughs> like pretty dumb. Like how do you how do you write um a female that is trying probably her hardest to be taken seriously when people just walk all over you and just blatant disregard. Like, I feel like that's probably pretty accurate, no matter how she comes across, is that nobody takes her seriously no matter what. Like, every person in this film doesn't take her seriously. And that's fine, though. They set up the character that way, and that's fine. If it was consistent the whole way, and she wasn't flopping around on her opinions about Tom Cruise's character, for instance. First, he's, he's a piece of shit, and then he's a, a great, amazing lawyer, and she hasn't really seen him <laughs> do anything. And then, oh, and now he's a piece of shit again. It just She's all over the place. It's ridiculous. I think that in the context of a woman in the military in 1991, yeah, it's probably very difficult. It's That's probably the things that she's saying out loud are probably the inner monologue of many women trying to advance in the military. But the difference is that they don't open their mouths and puke it all over the place right. on everyone all the time. Yeah, I so, agree with that. There you go. Um, <clears throat> uh, I want to talk about so, Tom. Can I talk about Tom? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure that there's another actor that had a run of this nature. Oh, the eighties, the eighties, nineties, Tom Cruise run is absolutely ridiculous. Like his actual run, or <laughs> the run of films he's in. The run of films he's in, you jackass. <laughs> okay. Like I look at Jack Nicholson's films, and I'm like, I never watched that one. Oh, I never watched that one either. Oh, I never watched that one either. Why does everybody suck this guy's dick so much? He is a good actor, and I acknowledge that. But the, all the trivia stuff on IMDb, all the stuff, little tidbits and stuff, everybody treats him like he's, uh, I don't know, some kind of legend or royalty of some kind. Oh, he is because of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. That's the thing. That's the one thing. Well, here, uh, Risky Business, Top Gun, Color of Money, Cocktail, Rain Man, Born on the Fourth of July, which I didn't like, Days of Thunder, Few Good Men, The Firm, Interview with the Vampire, Mission Impossible, Jerry Maguire, Eyes Wide Shut, Magnolia... Didn't he win an Academy Award for Born on the Fourth of July? No, he was nominated. Oh, okay. So he was nominated twice then, because he was nominated for Rain Man too, wasn't he? Yep. Yeah. And Jerry Maguire and Magnolia. Yeah. I refer. Oh, Magnolia. I am well. I am now moving forward, referring to the '80s and '90s as the highway to the danger zone when referencing <laughs> when referencing Cruz's career timeline. This is this section. This stretch is called the highway to the danger zone. When he starts jumping on couches, that's when he yeah. exits and enters the danger zone. Aside from it being a very in funny 90s. top gun Yeah, reference. that would have been 2000s when he started doing that, eh? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, Vanilla Sky, 2001. New face, very fitting. <laughs> the hits just yeah. keep on coming, sir. Can we also assume that Cuba Gooding Jr.'s involvement with A Few Good Men had something to do with him ending up in Jerry Maguire? Oh, most likely. Tom Cruise is uh, known for that, actually. Getting chummy with people. Yeah, like uh, he did Interview with a Vampire with uh, Danny Newton had a very minor role, and then she's in Mission Impossible 2 as the, the lead lady. Makes sense. Um, but I feel like his career is full of full of this, 
where he works with somebody and then years later he works with them again and brings them along for a little uh, pick-me-up. So what about the critique? That's the next part of the format. That's where we talk about awards, nominations, snubs, critical acclaim, maybe look up some one-star reviews. Right. Evaluate I hope the... you have a couple one-star reviews. I'll, I'll do it in the background, but uh, Bechtel test lamp levels. We'll let you maybe start off with the awards portion of it. Sure. Uh, I can let you know that it was nominated for Best Picture, Actor in a Supporting Role, Best Sound, and uh, your forte, uh, Best Film Editing. And what it was snubbed for was screenplay, although you're bringing to light that maybe it wasn't. But I was thinking it was snubbed for screenplay. Anyway, that's it. Nominated. Didn't didn't win nothing. So it would have been Jack in the Supporting Role nomination. And did you see the funny trivia? No. What funny trivia? The funny trivia regarding Jack Nicholson's supporting character nomination. Uh, well, share. Gene Hackman was sought after to be Colonel Jessup, but opted out to do Unforgiven and won the Oscar <laughs> over Nicholson in the same uh, category. That's like a double slap in the face. Made the right choice, Gene. I feel like uh, Gene Hackman would have done well. Oh, yeah. As Jessup. He would have been fine. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see that as uh, as being horrible. I could also see Jack Nicholson in Unforgiven in that role. They could swap those two guys. Swappable actors. All of the one-star reviews for A Few Good Men are technical. Oh, that's not fun. Talking about the uh, copy that they got wouldn't stream properly, blah, blah. Purely purely technical. Nobody's ragging on it. Yeah. So. Well, it's hard to when it makes that much money. Yeah. I think it'll be rare that we've, when we're... A, when we're preach movies that are generally considered to be very rewatchable and quite good, there might be a few. Yeah, I can think of <laughs> assholes, uh, but that's I can it. I can think of uh, of one off the top of my head that I plan on doing where there will definitely be some bad reviews. Uh, can we slam this movie for failing the Bechdel test? Oh yeah, so I was re going over the Bechdel test and then paying close attention because in my brain I was thinking, you know. Joanne talks to Aunt Ginny about Downey. And then I was like, does she introduce Tom Cruise to her? Do they talk when that happens? And they don't. They don't even talk <laughs> when that happens. I couldn't believe it. I paid special attention the last time I watched. No two women speak to each other in audible vocabulary. You see her talking afterwards, but there's uh, you don't hear any words. So no, there, no two women even talk to each other audibly. In this film. Yeah. This is a severe failure. <laughs> yeah. This might be common also in our preach sessions, <laughs> the failed Bechtel tests, because oh. I enjoy a lot of films that fail this. Oh, it's it's rampant. It's almost as rampant as the sexism. Yes. Of the day, of the time. It's hilarious for Jack Nicholson to just talk about blowjobs and then tell a female officer to watch her tongue right after. <laughs> right awful oh yeah it's pretty bad <laughs> roger ebert gave a few good men a rotten review he did he did i i read this review did you you read yeah. the, you read the whole thing i've only got the snippet from rotten tomato oh i think i yeah that's probably what i read also yeah it's one of those movies that tells you what it's gonna do does it and then tells you what it did <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
leaving nothing to the imagination. Yeah. No, there is some yeah. em- there is some emptiness, but I mean, it's the performances of all of them. I'll throw Demi uh, in everyone, there. Everyone, every yeah. single person except for maybe Demi Moore. Yeah, but she's, you know, she she only had so much to work with. I like but, giving yeah. actors and actresses a pass when they were potentially miscast and or the writing is just not there for that character. Yeah, and for as much as I love Aaron Sorkin's writing because it's always like a battle, a verbal battle between two people every time there's a, a conversation, which I really enjoy. Um, she wasn't really given very much of anything to work with here. So as much as I love love the writing, uh, yeah, we could say this is a failure in the writing category. I also challenged the editing nomination, specifically on one scene where Tom Cruise is in Joe Joe Galloway's office and they're talking and they're doing a camera shot from the back of his head. And there's so much continuity shit going on with the back of his head. It was a terrible decision. (laughs) (laughs) This is where you get to pick apart the editing. And that's not something that my brain... Well, his his notices his head ever. will be facing a different way, or his, or something. He'll he'll be looking over at Kevin Pollak because he's being very animated for some yeah. reason. Tom Cruise in this movie is always doing something, and now it's gonna fuck with me in future movies that I watch Tom Cruise in because I'm gonna be like, is he always doing something? Because in this movie, he's playing sports, he's eating apples, he's constantly waving yeah. his hands around, he's carrying a he's bat around, shaking his hands. Yeah, yeah, he's always doing something physical. And I know from from receiving acting training, I know that doing something with your hands is sometimes a great way to get out of your head and get into the moment so that you can just act and react naturally. Right. Case in point. But is it natural? I guess if you do well, it enough times case, like case, that, it I'm just, becomes I'm just, natural, eh? I'm just bringing it up because it's a tactic that's used. Yeah. Like, uh, I think one class I had, I, w- I did a monologue and they told me, here, take this piece of paper and fold it while you're doing your monologue. So I just sat there folding the paper and unfolding the paper and folding it and unfolding it while I was talking. And it really helped. It helped yeah. to focus your energy, your physical energy on something so that you could just let go a little bit. That's interesting. But the point is, is that that tactic in that scene kept him moving around a lot. And then the back of his head would be different when it constantly yeah. cut back and forth and i was like ah ah <laughs> why do you you don't need to do that you don't need the back of his head at all you just need front face blah like what what yeah. tom cruise is your movie star so you want to put the back of his make sure the back of his head is in there when the scene's on like yeah he's gotta get he gets paid by uh how much time he's on oh, fuck. <laughs> no you get my point i do all right um so i think that kind of takes care of that whole section i mean we're gonna get yeah. into uh more of it later but i think we need to get into the actual movie itself we need to get into the meat and potatoes of this whole thing because that's a part of this Preach. is the movie itself so the whole movie centers around uh, william santiago uh more specifically the death of william santiago right and i've i've prepared a lot of fun clips to toss around so that we can have fun with it so let's see here um dear sir my name is pfc william t santiago I'm a Marine stationed at Marine Barracks, Rifle Security Company, Windward, 2nd Platoon, Bravo. I'm writing to inform you of my problems with my unit here in Cuba and to ask for your help. I've fallen out on runs before for several reasons, such as feeling dizzy or nauseated. But on May 18th, I've fallen back about 20 or 30 yards, going down a rocky, unstable hill. My sergeant grabbed me and pushed me down the hill. Then I saw all black, and the last thing I remember is hitting the deck. 
I was brought to the hospital where I was told I just had heat exhaustion. I ask you to help me. Please, sir, I just need to be transferred out of RSC. Sincerely, PFC William T. Santiago, U.S. Marine Corps. P.S. In exchange for my transfer off the base, I'm willing to provide you with information about the fence line shooting that occurred the night of August the 2nd. Who the fuck is PFC William T. Santiago? <laughs> Who the fuck is this little bitch? Mm. Yeah, yeah, so That's Rob all. Reiner said that there's only... I, I wish I wrote this down. There's only one other person that knows how to say fuck the, the right way or the same way that uh, Jack, Nichol Jack Nicholson can say it. Um, he's apparently really good at saying fuck. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it's a nice little introduction to who William Santiago is. And then they introduce Tom Cruise, fly by the seat of his pants, sarcastic Daniel Caffey, and Joanne Galloway, obsessed, uh, aspirational busybody just <laughs> overachiever and they throw this at tom cruise's character because they want this thing plea bargain and he's a plea bargainer right i see have i done something wrong no it's just that when i petitioned division to have counsel assigned i was hoping i would be taken seriously no offense taken in case you were wondering commander lieutenant cap is generally considered the best litigator in our office he successfully plea bargained 44 cases in nine months. One more, I get a set of steak knives. <laughs> the steak knives is important because they actually do a follow-up. Oh, it, it comes up later. It yeah. comes up later. Joanne twists the knife at one point. Yeah. When she uh, apologizes to him. For, for losing a set of steak yeah, knives. Yeah, sorry you didn't get How your steak knives. How do you lose knives? a set of steak knives? Yeah, I'm just going to bring that up. That's, you remember that sarcastic joke you made when we first met? I'm just going to bring that up again in a petty way because you just screamed at me. And <laughs> <laughs> it was ridic that's ridiculous, too. Uh, that whole thing. I mean, Tom gives it life and makes it work, but there's. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be asking you what galactically stupid means and whether galactically oh, is even a word. It sure. It, it, if it isn't, it should be. <laughs> I want to use right. that in everyday sentences all the time. And now. there's there's a lot of pissing contest stuff going on at the beginning with Galloway, Demi Moore, and uh, Caffey, Tom Cruise. You know, why are you uh, why are you being so pushy and uh, involved in this? This is my thing. I'm supposed to be doing this. Uh, he kind of treats her almost like a little fly that just won't go away. Oh yeah, and it's continuous. Just uh, yeah. Every time she does something, he's just like yeah. I think maybe really annoyed. Halfway through, he kind of accepts her to some degree, but then he gets drunk and acts like an asshole. But we'll get there. Uh, right. Yeah. So he challenges her, and she says stuff like, "I'm special counsel for internal affairs, so my jurisdiction's pretty much in your face." Woo! Oh yeah. Oh, See, boy. that sounded. Uh, that's normal. Normal talk. Yeah, that's good. My jurisdiction's pretty much in your face. But, you yep. know, Caffey's like, he's, he's being an asshole. Lieutenant, this letter makes it look like your client had a motive to kill Santiago. Gotcha. And Santiago is who? <laughs> the victim. Write that down. Uh, it might be important. Yeah, and then here we go. Here's the, here's the scene that I, I walk away from this movie disliking uh, quite a bit, which is the, uh, the Persian Bazaar. Now, I want you to go into this understanding that she is saying something that it works 
uh, a Persian bazaar would be like a marketplace, like a like a foreign marketplace where people are hustling and bustling and making deals on the side, and you know, like a used car salesman. Yeah, fast That's... fast talking in the alleys and and uh, making trades and bartering and stuff. That's kind of what she's going for, but that's not how a normal person would speak. Nobody would right. use the reference Persian Bazaar unless they have an English degree shoved up their fucking asshole and their name is Aaron Sorkin, right? Uh, <laughs> I, don't yeah. know. I don't know if he has an English degree. Uh, he probably does. You're wrong. I do know you. Daniel Alistair Caffey, born June 8, 1964 at Boston Mercy Hospital. Your father's Lionel Caffey, former Navy judge advocate and attorney general of the United States, died 1985. You went to Harvard Law, then you joined the Navy. Probably because that's what your father wanted you to do. And now you're just treading water for the three years you've got to serve in the JAG Corps. Just kind of laying low so you can get out and get a real job. If that's the situation, that's fine. I won't tell anyone. But it's my feeling that if this case is handled in the same fast-food, slick-ass, Persian-bizarre manner with which you seem to handle everything else, then something's going to get missed. And I wouldn't be doing my job if I allowed Dawson and Downey to spend any more time in prison than absolutely necessary because their attorney had predetermined the path of least resistance. So, now, Nathan. So, just remove Persian-bizarre. Say if you Here, if here, you, you say it. put in... Used car sales. No, I'm Man. saying remove it completely. Not replace. Less is always oh. more. Less is always more. Just remove it. Yeah. That is that is a better idea. I agree. Okay, listen to it now if I do it. Okay, so I'm I'm Demi right now. Yeah, go ahead, Galloway. Okay. Uh, if you handle this with the same fast food, slick-ass manner that you handle everything else. Yeah. Sounds good, right? That is, that is uh, That's better. much better. Good yeah. job, Nathan. Much better. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, you did it. You okay. did it. You uh, you have made this film better. I tell you. I try to tell people. Yeah. We can make little little tweaks for you here. Obviously, this was a line that he was in love with, probably. And, uh, you know, sometimes when you're the creative person behind a project and you get stuck on something. Maybe he just came back from Persia and was at a bazaar and just really wanted to include that. Perhaps. Perhaps, sir. Perhaps. Or maybe he's just overthinking his writing. Could be, could be. But yeah. then they uh, they go down to Cuba after that. Cuba, right? So, uh, um, but before we get there, what cause... would you call this first act, Nathan? Right. Good point. We need to call one of the things we're going to be doing on Preach is naming the acts. Now, so it's, I it's, it's, I it's more also a, have chosen a name. It's a but... fun thing. I want to I want to point that out first before you drop yours because right, it's a fun thing. We're not. We're not trying to define what the acts are. We're having fun and bantering about what the acts could be called. There might be more than one name for each right. act. It's just fun. That's a so. Uh, what what did you? What's your choice? Uh, well, I'm kind of on the fence. I mean, initially I was thinking something like Unit Core God Country, sir. But then that seems a little late. It does seem a little late. And the theme at the beginning of this movie seems to be more around code red right so i was gonna go with what's a code red okay that was gonna be my submission and my secondary submission was gonna be god was watching (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's funny uh my choice my submission would have been requested by division ah guantanamo bay cuba 
A Marine corporal named Dawson illegally fires a round from his weapon over the fence line and into Cuban territory. What's a fence line? Sam? A big wall separating the good guys from the bad guys. Teachers. That's just a snippet from the requested by division scene at the very beginning of the movie. So that would be fitting. Right. There's two, though. There's two because she, she tries to get him replaced and he lets her know that... Somebody down there thinks I'm a pretty good lawyer. I was requested by division. It's it's yeah. the big building with the pillars. <laughs> what a dick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I think uh, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to play you... Um, I'm going to play you something that might... Might bring you. I mean, we don't have to side on one. We don't have to choose one. We can each have our own. But I'm going to play you my mashup that I made for Code Red. Oh, great. You know what a Code Red is? What's Code Red? Sir, a Code Red is a disciplinary engagement. What's a garden variety Code Red? Was the attack on Santiago a Code Red? Yes, sir. What do you know about Code Reds? We off the record. Off the record, I tell you it is an invaluable part of close infantry training. And if it happens to go on without my knowledge, so be it. Dazzle you with official-sounding terms like code red. Code red? Code red. You got a code red because your palms were sweaty. Lieutenant, do you know what a code red is? Yes, I do. Have you ever ordered a code red? No, I have not. Lieutenant Kendrick ordered a code red, didn't he? Because that's what you told Lieutenant Kendrick to do. Did you order the code red? I did the job. Did you order the code red? You're goddamn right I did! Uh, <laughs> thank you for that. Uh... Just, just thank you. Uh, <laughs> ah, good old Code Red. But uh, there's I, some nice transitions in there. I thought so too. Yeah, but I, I think yeah. the word "sir" is used a lot more in the movie than Code Red. But it feels like like "sir" is used 164 times during the movie. That's an average of once every 50 seconds. So says IMDb's trivia page. But I sir, feel yes, like, sir. I feel like Code Red is used at least half as many times, at least 80 times. Right. The impact of Code Red. Uh, it feels. Like there's more weight behind it. Mm-hmm. Every time you hear it, you're like, again. Um, but sir is just like a flippant mm, conversational, like, saying, like yeah. saying um. Yeah, for sure. Almost. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's great. <laughs> great. Okay, so Act One could have several entries. I feel. Yeah. Um, the other one I suggested was when they went down to Cuba, which leads us kind of into Act Two. So the God is watching thing is kind of also possibly an Act Two suggestion as well because they go down to cuba yeah and they do some investigation some light investigation there's the funny back and forth with uh pollack and Cruz about wearing their whites which apparently targets <laughs> them <laughs> so uh, yeah. just every time he talks it's so <laughs> funny <laughs> and here comes uh here comes Kiefer. private santiago is dead and that is a tragedy but he is dead because he had no code he is dead because he had no honor and God was watching. God was watching. I feel like that is a great submission for Act <laughs> Two. <laughs> yeah, that could be a good submission for Act Two. Um, but I feel we can kind of name the acts as we go through the the movie. Yeah. Uh, so then we come across in Cuba. <clears throat> oh, I forgot to play this clip. This is another one uh, where Kathy's being very dismissive, and I just want to play it because I think it's hilarious. Those names sound like they should mean something to me. Dawson, Downey, your clients. The Cuba thing, yeah, so Dawson and Downey, right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the Cuban, the Cuban, all right, right. Wow. That's that's fucking awesome. Just, uh, yeah, maybe he is, maybe this is comedy um, for Cruz. Yeah, everything 
Yeah, is a punchline. <laughs> but we come across, when we get down to Cuba, we come across uh, one of our new segments. or one, one, it's, it's a new show, so I guess all the segments are new. But we're going to be choosing scenes from the movies that we appreciate. I'm going to be calling, yes. gonna call it Scene Appreci or Scene Appreci. And, um, so you selected as one of your appreciation scenes uh, what I am referring to as the Cuban lunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, which we will now dive into the Cuban lunch. You know, it just hit me. She outranks you, Danny. Yes. I want to tell you something, and listen up, because I really mean this. You're the luckiest man in the world. There is nothing on this earth sexier, believe me, gentlemen, than a woman that you have to salute in the morning. Promote them all, I say, because this is true. If you haven't gotten a blowjob from a superior officer, well, you're just letting the best in life pass you by. Colonel, the practice of code reds is still condemned course, by officers on these bases. my problem is I'm a colonel, so I'll just have to go on taking cold showers until they elect some gal president. I need an answer to my question, sir. Take caution in your tone, Commander. I'm a fair guy, but this fucking heat is making me absolutely crazy. You want to ask me about Code Red's on the record? I tell you I discourage the practice in accordance with the Commander's directive. Off the record, I tell you it is an invaluable part of close infantry training. And if it happens to go on without my knowledge, so be it. I run my unit how I run my unit. You want to investigate me, roll the dice and take your chances. I eat breakfast 300 yards from 4,000 Cubans who are trained to kill me, so don't think for one second that you can come down here, flash a badge, and make me nervous. Well, <clears throat> so, so uh, who produced this? Why'd you choose that scene? Because uh, it's the uh, first and most overtly sexist thing uh, in this film, uh, this is really the template of what we can expect everyone to do with Joanne Galloway for the rest of the film, um, which is treat her like a baby maker and uh, disregard everything else she has to say. Um, but Jack Nicholson gets to do it, which leads uh, or gives it more weight. Um it's really strange in my head because I really enjoy this uh, scene, knowing that I shouldn't. <laughs> but um, I do anyway. Well, social justice warriors are not uh, invited to right. to this podcast or to uh, anywhere within, you know, reasonable distance from me. I don't. Uh, it's, it's in context with the time. It's in context with the content as well. This is right. a military environment of a certain time. This is the mentality. They're trying to paint this guy as an absolute asshole. They're trying to make him a villain. And that's what this scene does, is it really crosses the line for the villainy. Right. And who's the guy laughing? Is it JT Walsh or is it Kiefer Sutherland? It's not Walsh. What's that? It's not Walsh. Walsh is stone-faced all the time. Right. Because this so whole thing is on a Kiefer lie. Kiefer Sutherland's the one that's laughing. Must be. That's amazing. Yeah, uh, I'll try to verify that. That's that's who comes across as the real dick in this film. Oh, is, for sure. Uh, but I always I keep thinking about um I keep thinking about a time to kill and thinking that he's much more evil in that. He has more darkness to him in that movie. But it's oh, also a more sincere oh. 
corruption to the character in A Time to Kill. This is just a cardboard cutout dick face. Yeah, it's totally yeah. it's totally Kiefer that laughs. He's the only other one sitting at the table. Yeah. But it seems to me in my in my head, it could have been all of them laughing. It could have been. Yeah. I don't know. I That's think, honestly what it feels like. Markinson's gotta stick up his ass though. Yeah. And so does Weinberg. So does Pollack. Yeah. Yeah, no, Pollack is uh too much of a a great thing to to laugh at that. Yep. Self righteous and pompous, all of them. Yeah. In their own ways. Yeah, they're all very that way. All the characters that way. So it may it means that Aaron Sorkin is a pompous douchebag, is what it means. Yep. That's yeah. <laughs> that's what that means. That's exactly what that means. Great. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean that's uh probably has to go down as one of the most sexist scenes probably in the history of movies. Oh <laughs> yeah, see? I can pick them. We should actually make a, a top ten of movies that are have scenes that or sorry, scenes from movies that are awful sexism to the extreme. This one's a candidate to be in the top ten, and as we do more push, we'll add more to the list. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. We'll just build it. Yeah. Take, so this take is number while. one then. Yeah, right now it'll be the reigning champion, then it'll have yeah. to be knocked out. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. I like I like that. So then what happens uh, next? Uh, I think what happens next is where I'm going to go with Act 2. My submission is... Uh, so this is what a courtroom looks like. Holy shit, that's exactly my submission as well. Ah. That's what I have written yeah. down. So this is what a courtroom looks like. It makes sense. Yeah, I think uh, they get into the environment where they're going to spend the rest of the film. Yeah. Well, the apartment and his and the courtroom. But Yeah, and I want to make a comment about that because when he commits to... Because there's, there's the whole back and forth leading up to that. We can't forget that. He tries. He tries to make a deal. Oh, yeah. And he's so proud of his yeah. deal. Yeah, and that's actually also right away. The appreci the scene appreci segment uh is my first scene of appreciation, which is the deal. Oh. So the deal is presented to Dawson and Dawson gets emotional and upset about it, and Tom Cruise is absolute gold. Oh yeah, this this scene is really good and I only wanted to pick two, but this one was was in the running right there. It was a debate between the one I picked and this one. Uh, it's one of the best Tom Cruise scenes. Like he's, uh, I think this is where he says, fuck you, Harold. Yeah. Uh, I think it's where he and says, uh, I, really I get, like I get paid no matter, I get paid no matter what outcome happens. I, I know you do, sir. Like it's great. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the fact that he won't speak because of his military training and he's like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> <laughs> just say it. Well, just play it. Just play it. All right, here's a story. The government's offering involuntary manslaughter two years. Be home in six months. Wow, Kathy, you're the greatest lawyer in the world. Ooh, how can we ever thank you? Fellas, you hear what I just said? You're going home in six months. I'm afraid we can't do that, sir. Do what? Make a deal, sir. What are you talking about? We did nothing wrong, sir. We did our job, and if that has consequences, then I'll accept them. And I won't say that I'm guilty, sir. Did you? Did she put you up to this? No. <laughs> we have a code, oh, sir. Well, zippity-doo-dah. You and your code plead not guilty. You'll be in jail for the rest of your life. Do what I'm telling you. You'll be home in six months 
Do it, Harold. Six months. It's nothing. It's a hockey season. Permission to speak. Jesus. <laughs> what do we do then, sir? When? After six months, we'll be dishonorably discharged, right, sir? Probably. What do we do then, sir? We joined the Marines because we wanted to live our lives by a certain code. And we found it in the Corps. Now you're asking us to sign a piece of paper that says we have no honor. You're asking us to say we're not Marines. If a court decides that what we did was wrong, then I'll accept whatever punishment they give. But I believe I was right, sir. I believe I did my job, and I will not dishonor myself, my unit, or the Corps so that I can go home in six months! Sir! There's that strong sir. Commander, I'd like to talk to Lance Corporal Dawson alone for a minute. Please. <laughs> Sergeant. Yeah, she, by this time she's talked to Aunt Jenny and she's the sole legal representative for him. Yeah. For Downey. You, uh, you don't like me very much, do you? Forget it, don't answer it. Doesn't matter. You know, Downey worships you. He's gonna do whatever you do. Are you really gonna let this happen to him because of a code, Harold? <laughs> do you think we were right? Doesn't matter. Do you think we were right? I think you'd lose. You're such a coward. I can't believe they let you wear a uniform. Whew. Whew. I'm not gonna feel responsible for this, Harold. I did everything I could. You're going to Leavenworth for the better part of your life, and you know what? I don't give a shit. What happened to saluting an officer when he leaves the room? And then Dawson puts his hands in his pockets, stares him down. So, did you know that Dawson, or... Wolfgang uh, Boydson. He was a scouting yes, a location person, scout. A location, yeah. yeah. And Rob Reiner wanted to find someone that looked just like him. This He'd never acted before. This is the first thing he's done. They worked on it for like six months. That scene was the last thing they shot. And uh, he's great. I really enjoy... So as much as you like Tom Cruise going through all of this... I have those same feelings towards Wolfgang. Oh, sure. Acting, and, gr- great acting scenes are not great because of one participant. Right. Yeah, they both give they give each other a lot to work oh, with. Yeah. No, the whole cast, I don't think there's any anybody that stands out as being particularly weak. Even Downey. I mean, Downey's played as being this dumb shit, but he goes on to do some... That actor goes on to do some decent movies, or at least had some decent opportunity. No, but even, well, his time when he's getting questioned, that's engaging. Like, you're just watching it, and like... Yeah, he's stupid, though. Engaged, you're just like, holy shit. Downey's really dumb. That's fine. There's Al. really dumb people. You know, you know some. DC. <laughs> Sorry. Al, is this Washington, D.C.? <laughs> <laughs> Al, is this Washington? Well, you see, sir, there, there was a blowout. Private... Did you ever actually hear Lieutenant Kendrick order a code red? Well, Hal said that. Private, <laughs> did you? Hal? But Hal said. Hal. Hal. Yeah. yeah, he's dumb. Hal. Uh, anyway, after this blowout between Dawson and uh, Cruz, then they have their big uh, law conversation. 
in the hallway, him and uh, Galloway, where he's... Uh, don't so tell me what I know and don't know. Were daddy's expectations really that high? Oh, please, spare me this psychobabble father bullshit. Dawson and Downey will have their day in court, but they'll have it with another lawyer. Another lawyer won't be good enough. They need you. You know how to win. You know they have a case, and you know how to win. If you walk away from this now, you've sealed their fate. Their fate was sealed the moment Santiago died. Do you believe they have a case? <laughs> you and Dawson, you both live in the same dream world. It doesn't matter what I believe. It only matters what I can prove. So please, don't tell me what I know and don't know I know the law. <laughs> so this is uh, this is great because it, it's all about what he can prove and what he can't prove. And then later on, he completely changes up. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm pointing out a hypocrisy here, which is uh, it's not about the law anymore. <laughs> My father no. always said a jury trial is not just about the law. It's about assigning blame. Santiago's dead, and he shouldn't be. These nine people are going to insist that someone be blamed for that. Ross is handing them our clients. We're going to hand them Kendrick. This is about a sales pitch. It's not going to be won by the law. It's going to be won by the lawyers. So remember, poker faces. Don't flinch in front of the court members. Something doesn't go our way. Don't hang your head. Don't shift in your seat. Don't scribble furiously. Whatever happens, you have to look like it's exactly what you knew was going to happen. You pass me documents. Do it swiftly. And don't look over anxious. Then wear that perfume in court. Wrecks my concentration. Why say the perfume thing? Why is it necessary? That's the whole reason why they asked you that shit, Aaron. The well, he said uh, he was talking to Sam. <laughs> um, he did. I want to take a little side note here. Okay. And what we heard in the background of that uh, was like a horror score. A horror score. It was like a horror fil- film theme running with that piano. <laughs> like I can picture. Uh, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something happening. He's got portions of uh, of a horror theme going on here, and I really like it. It doesn't happen very much, just a couple times. Wow. The music's very simple in this movie, and it, it services it, I guess. But it's also... I, oh, it's... I, there's nothing to commend about the music. No, it's totally forgettable. But when it happens, I'm all into it. The piano stuff, which is like two scenes. Uh, anyway. That's fine. And then Joe follows up later and does a complete 180 on her opinion of him. She's like, you know how to win. You're a lawyer. I think you're an exceptional lawyer. Yeah. Well, I eat these crabs. Yeah, which is... Uh... You know nothing about the law. Oh. You're a used car salesman, Daniel. Whoa. You're an ambulance chaser with a rank. Oh. <laughs> you're nothing. 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 He's fucking nothing at that point. So she's all over the map. This is what we're talking yeah well this is what you're talking about you've got this all laid out here i do and i love this is another scene i love it's not a full appreci but i like um when they decide to declare not guilty and they decide to start working on it (laughs) the line that he gives is supposed to be like you know fast talking daniel caffey issuing directions to his legal team but really if you really listen to it let's listen to it i'm gonna see if you can hear what i'm talking about we work out of my apartment every night, 7 o'clock. Joe, before you come over and I pick up a carton of legal pads, half a dozen boxes of red pens, half a dozen boxes of black pens. Sam, get a couple of desk clamps. I need you to start on a preliminary medical profile. And Joe, we need all the proficiency and conduct reports on Dawson Downey and Santiago. The only thing I have to eat is you, who and Cocoa Puffs, so if you want anything else, bring it with you. Okay? Yeah. So this is what a court. Do you hear 
But tell me what you hear there. I hear that he wants office supplies. Yeah, that's all. That's strange. I I I agree that I I hear that he's getting two people to pick up the same type of office supplies. Uh, I didn't he's hear div- that. He's divvying up. You get legal pads and markers, and you get desk clamps. Yeah, it's an inefficient uh, instructions for sure. And thank you for pointing that out. One of you just go to Office Depot and pick yeah. it all up. One person could have got. Yeah, he could have. He could have delegated it better. Thank you for pointing that out. That's not my comment, but I like. No. I like that a lot. Yeah, the delegation is is terrible. But he's only been doing this for nine months. The comment that I want to make is that he's doing nothing. No, and telling them to do everything. Yeah, he's like, I've got nothing at my apartment. I'm doing nothing. You do everything, and you do everything else. I'll see you guys later at my you place. Do everything. You do the other half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, that's, let's, let's uh, listen to it one more time. Because he's a used car salesman. Let's listen to it one more time. He's he's not assigning anything to himself, and I have no idea what he could be doing other than going home and setting up that ridiculous chalkboard with very simple things that are written on it. He's going to use his bat. We work out of my apartment every night, 7 o'clock. Joe, before you come over and I pick up a carton of legal pads, half a dozen boxes of red pens, half a dozen boxes of black pens. Sam, get a couple of desk lamps. I need you to start on a preliminary medical profile. And Joe, we need all the proficiency and conduct reports on Dawson Downey and Santiago. The only thing I have to eat is you who and Cocoa Puffs, so if you want anything else, bring it with you. Okay? <laughs> also, isn't this their job? Shouldn't they be starting in the morning? Uh, well, he wants to get right to it. But he's the game oh, starts like tonight at seven, and he needs to get home. Yeah, get comfy, okay. watch a couple innings. Then they can show yeah. up. He'll have something to offer at that point, and that's how we do that. <clears throat> there we go. There we go. There we go. And now we're going to move right along. I think uh, at this point we're getting pretty much. Are we crossing into Act Three yet, or? Oh, not yet. Not yet. Can they we gotta do like montage of setting things up? Can Can we do a quick uh, uh, Luther? <laughs> breakdown here what's to, that uh he's the the newspaper stand guy oh he's got yeah, this very fun relationship with this guy where all they do is do um cliche statements at each other yeah and there's two separate instances one earlier in the movie before he goes to cuba i think and the other one uh when markinson slips into the back seat of his car because he's a ghost yeah he used to work in black ops there is no markinson yeah Mar- i could be markinson <laughs> you yeah. wouldn't know <laughs> How's it going, Luther? Another day, another dollar, Captain. You got to play him as they lay. What goes around comes around. Yeah, beat him, join him. At least I got my hell. Well, you got everything. <laughs> see you tomorrow, Luther. Not if I see you first. And number two. Hey, Luther. Admiral, how's the big case going? Uh, this is the grindstone. No flies on you. Rolling stone gathers no moss. Well, it ain't over till the fat lady sings. Say that again. It ain't over till the, the fat, fat lady, lady sings. Walked into that one. <laughs> that seems like a fun relationship to have, doesn't it? Yeah. Seems very insincere as well. I'm not trying to be yeah. a dick. I'm not trying to be a dick. That's fine. Do you want to talk that... about uh, how uh, Sam Weinberg has a conflict of interest and shouldn't even be on this legal team? Oh. No, he needs to be there. You need uh, differing viewpoints. You don't believe their story, do you? You think they ought to go to jail for the rest of their lives? I believe every word of their story, and I think they ought to go to jail for the rest of their lives. Yeah. That's who you want on your legal team? Oh, yeah. I want the guy that wants me to go to jail for the rest of my life. (laughs) 
He thinks that they're Nazis. Argument didn't work for Cali at Milan. <laughs> An argument that didn't work for the Nazis at Nuremberg. Oh, for Christ's sake, Sam. He's getting a little bit carried away, and he shows his true colors. They beat up on a weakling. That's all they did. All right? The rest of this is just smoke-filled coffeehouse crap. They tortured and tormented a weaker kid. They didn't like him, so they killed him. And why? Because he couldn't run very fast. All right. All right. Everybody take the night off. <laughs> uh. Okay. All right. Okay. Everybody, everybody calm down. Sam's getting uppity. But you, gonna... you didn't play the clip right before that. <laughs> What clip right before that where he's uh objection overruled no i strenuously object i strenuously oh. object is that how it works <laughs> hmm? objection overruled oh no 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 i strenuously object oh wow strenuously object and i should take some time to reconsider <laughs> yeah all right uh it's lines like that that yeah that won him over really happy yeah, yeah for sure yeah, it's lines like that that, that that crown him as the intern. Yeah. Now, I think uh, the comment I want to make there is Sorkin rears his head again with these bombastic, vocabulary-filled, metaphorical things that don't belong. Smoke-filled uh, coffeehouse crap. What business does that have being in that line? The rest of this is just smoke-filled coffeehouse crap. Who from the military spends time in a coffeehouse? Oh, all of them. Really? They get free coffee. <laughs> it's just a, it's, it's, it's a, a thing in Canada. It's like, um, it feels like a reference that's 30 years before this, you know? Right. Ah, what are you doing there? Smoke-filled coffeehouse crap. Eh? You see? <laughs> I don't know. It just seems out of place. It seems like, I mean, Pollack owns it and delivers it well, but it's just, what? What do you mean smoke-filled coffeehouse crap? I would never say that shit. Is, does, right. Does... Sam Weinberg go around going, oh, that's smoked coffeehouse crap. Shut up. You say that all the time. Uh, maybe. It could be. I don't know. Are you saying that uh, Aaron Sorkin is uh, pizzolatoing all over himself here? Ooh, good good reference. Yeah. Uh, pizzolato is a reference to uh, True Detective Season 2 where he got, yeah, he got away with it. He, he got, pizzolatoed he, all over the place yeah, there. He got, hey? he got carried away. Yeah. It's tough. These guys want to use their vocabulary. They want to show off with their vocabulary. That's because they're writers. But yeah, Joe fucked up. She did there. There's, yeah. there, there's a companion clip to that, which Your is... Your Honor, the... we renew our objection to Commander Stone's testimony and ask that it be stricken from the record. We further ask the court to instruct the court members to lend no weight to this witness's testimony. The objection's overruled, counsel. Your Honor, the defense strenuously objects and requests an 802 conference so that His Honor might have an opportunity to hear discussion before ruling on this objection. The objection of the defense has been heard and overruled. Move to reconsider. Your objection is noted. The witness is an expert, and the court will hear his opinion. This make her look like an absolute asshole. Did your sister do that? Because <laughs> if she did, <laughs> she's a piece of shit. you got to show your family in all their colors. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, we're full on into the trial here. There is a point in the trial that I want to highlight, and it leads into my next scene of preach, if that's all right with you. Oh, yeah. Um the I'm kind of cheating because I'm playing a, a scene that happens before it so that my scene appreci can have more weight. Okay. So I'm I'm cheating. I understand I'm cheating. It's like I'm slipping in three. I apologize. That's fair. So this is called Manuals and Chow Time. Oh, yes. Hold here the Marine Outline for Recruit Training. Are you familiar with this book? Yes, sir. Have you read it? Yes, sir. Good. Would you turn to the chapter that deals with Code Reds, please? 
Sir? Just flip to the page in the book that discusses code reds. Well, well, you see, sir, code red is a term that we use. I mean, just down at Gitmo. I don't know if oh, it's Oh, we're luck then. Standard operating procedure, rifle security company, Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. Now, I assume we'll find the term code red in its definition in that book. Am I correct? No, sir. No? Corporal Barnes, I'm a Marine. Is there no book, no manual or pamphlet, no set of orders or regulations that lets me know that as a Marine, one of my duties is to perform code reds? No, sir. No book, sir. No further questions. Corporal, would you turn to the page in this book that says where the mess hall is? <laughs> well, Lieutenant Caffey, that's not in the book, sir. You mean to say in all your time at Gitmo, you've never had a meal? No, sir. Three squares a day, sir. I don't understand. How did you know where the mess hall was if it's not in this book? Well, I guess I just followed the crowd at chow time, sir. No more questions. Okay, so the reason why I'm playing that is because it's referred to in the scene appreciate that I want to do. And, oh, and yes. And the appreciate that I want to do is because we were just talking in the last scene about how great scenes require both actors to be great. And Dawson met Tom Cruise stare for stare and being a rookie actor, that's more commendable than the scene that I'm about to appreciate. But (laughs) oftentimes in movies, there's scenes where we're, I mean, we're as cinephiles, we would be like, oh, sweet. Like those two actors are going, doing a scene together and going at each other a little bit, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So the scene I want to do is Cruz versus Bacon in yep. the in the, in the pub, which is, you know, it's it's candy, it's candy for us, Andrew. Yeah, hell, I practically dared you. <laughs> hey, Danny, nice work today. Redirect on Barnes. <laughs> I have Markinson. <laughs> Where is he? Motel room in Northeast with six federal marshals outside his door. Take a sip of your drink. Transfer the marks inside. It's phony. In Jessup's statement that the 6 a.m. flight was first available as a lie. We're checking the Tower Chief's log. Can I get you something? Like a beer, please. In the meantime, I'm going to put the Apostle John Kendrick on the stand. See if we can have a little fun. All right. I have an obligation to tell you that if you accuse Kendrick or Jessup of any crime without proper evidence, you're going to be subject to a court-martial for professional misconduct, and that's something that's going to be stapled to every job application you ever fill out. Markinson's not going to hold up, Danny. He's a crazy man. I'm not saying this to intimidate you. I'm being your lawyer here. Oh, thanks, Jack. And I want to tell you that I think the whole fucking bunch of you are certifiably insane. This code of honor of yours makes me want to beat the shit out of something. <laughs> Don't you dare lump me with Jessica and Kendrick just because we wear the same uniform. I'm your friend, and I'm telling you, I don't think your clients belong in jail, but I don't get to make that decision. I represent the government of the United States without passion or prejudice. My client has a case. Now, I want you to acknowledge that the judge advocate has made you aware of the possible consequences involved in accusing a Marine officer of a felony without proper evidence. I've been so advised. You got bullied into that courtroom, Danny. By everyone. By Dawson. By Galloway. Shit, I practically dared you. You got bullied into that courtroom by the memory of a dead lawyer. You're a lousy fucking softball player, Jack! (laughs) The boys are going down, Danny. I can't stop it anymore. (sighs) When in doubt, Mm. question someone's athletic ability. Well, I, that's a good, I think we got to take a minute then and mention for the record that, uh, and this is something that I want us to do moving forward is put 
put ourselves in the movie. If we were a character in the movie, who would Andrew be cast as and who would I be cast as? So you can make an argument that you could be cast as uh, as the intern character, Kevin Pollack. But I'd like to suggest that both of us would probably be William Santiago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In, in this environment, uh, I think it's either, yeah, it's either Pollack or Santiago. There's no real room to move there. <clears throat> yeah. Uh... That makes sense. I feel like I could be some one of the uh, flight attendants. Oh, the guys in the the guys that from the tower. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I guess. Any yeah, anybody could be those guys. Right. But fine. You know what? Fine. Actually, I couldn't. I'd have to be clean shaven. So yeah, I'd uh, I'd be the dead guy. And then voiceover. Next... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> next up. Oh, I also wanted to say quickly that I think this movie was like a warm-up, like a practice session warm-up for The Firm and possibly made Mitch McDeer, uh more fully rounded as a character, having him get into oh, this yeah. legal environment. I know there's no trial stuff in The Firm, but just to get into the idea of playing a lawyer and then doing The Firm right after this, like probably Yeah, helped. I really enjoyed The Firm. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Oh, yeah, we're definitely preaching The Firm. The Firm's great. Fucking awesome. Uh I do want to on a side note here. Uh this pre scene that you just picked. Yeah. This is the third and final time you hear a different woman speak. <laughs> the waitress. Yeah. <laughs> you want anything? I'll have a beer, please. That's all those lines just feeding them glorious work. Wow. Um, and then next, next on the stand is, uh, Mr. Kendrick. Uh, I have two books at my bedside, Lieutenant, the Marine Corps code of conduct and the King James Bible. The only proper authorities I am aware of are my commanding officer, Colonel Nathan R. Jessup and the Lord, our God. And, uh, Caffey just chews him up. Yep. He, uh, shows his worth here. Lance Corporal Dawson disobeyed an order. Yeah. Wasn't a real order, was it? After all, it's peacetime. He wasn't being asked to secure a hill or advance on a beachhead. <laughs> uh, he riles him up good with that. And uh, yeah, yeah. Then they uh, then they run into the whole markets and suicide thing, and uh, you know, Joe. I think I think you should prepare yourself for the fact that we're going to lose. Yeah. So they're pretty down on themselves, and then he becomes uh an abusive drunk. Uh and this this scene, this was another one that mm-hmm. could have yeah. could have made it. Yeah. It's the, so close. It's the phrase galactically stupid. And that, that my ends new it. favorite phrase. <laughs> what possible good could come from putting Jessup on the stand? He told Kendrick to order the code red. He did? That's great. <laughs> Why didn't you say so? And of course you have proof of that. Oh, I'm sorry, I keep forgetting. You were sick the day they taught law at law school. You put him on the stand and you get it from him. Oh, we get it from him. Yes, no problem. We get it from him. Colonel Jessup, isn't it true that you ordered the code red on Santiago? Listen, we're all a little... Eh, I'm sorry, your time's run out. What do we have for the losers, Judge? Well, for our defendants, it's a lifetime at exotic Fort Leavenworth. And for defense counsel Kathy, that's right, it's a court-martial! Yes, Johnny! After falsely accusing a highly decorated Marine officer of conspiracy and perjury, Lieutenant Kathy will have a long and prosperous career teaching typewriter maintenance at the Rocco Colombo School for Women! Thank you for playing, should we or should we not? 
Follow the advice of the galactically stupid! <laughs> uh, sorry I lost your set of steak knives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry I lost your set of steak knives. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, you got it, man. Uh, that's... I... I just wish I could incorporate uh, taking the advice of the galactically stupid into every phrase, just everything I say. That's wonderful dialogue. I don't know why you don't like it. I like the whole thing. I just don't like the galactically stupid part. It just, that's the problem with Sorkin is like, especially early Sorkin, I guess, is there's these words and this vocabulary and these lines that just stand out from these yeah. monologues that you're like, whoa, like this was really good. And that just like, interrupts my appreciation <laughs> okay it just uh, gives me pause and makes me go what are you talking about? i it's, think uh it's little things okay it's a detail it's like the fact that uh tom cruise wears a boston rex red Sox hat that looks completely unused awkward and unworn right that he's not they should a, have just got a baseball hat that he actually someone else wore yes yeah get somebody else to wear it around work it in yeah um this scene is really good tom cruise is playing drunk he seems like he's wasted and they got like a glaze in his eyes i think he does I better know, like the camera work he does better in jerry Maguire with the drunk i i don't know i really liked it when i watched it these twice in the last two days he sobers up right away oh yeah well that's what happens when you change your mind <laughs> when you when you go from being uh, a young person and become your own man uh you just get sober like, it doesn't matter how much alcohol is in your system. Well, he goes for a drive. I know. Get Joanne, get in the car. I'm wasted. <laughs> it's fine. Get in the car. Yeah. yeah. Also of its time. Yeah. It's acceptable. <laughs> I'm in the I'm in the Navy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's good. And then, yeah, so he, he chases her down in the car. He says, I'm going to put Jessup on the stand. And it's raining. And she's like, really? You're going to do what I want you to do? Great. And then right before he goes in to do it, he's like, I changed my mind. If if you don't feel like you've got it, then don't do it. <laughs> yeah, that's uh that's it's like trying to give someone some good advice, but they spend he, he so, really didn't need to hear that. It just kind of threw him off his game. They spend so much time and energy. They do it in the Kevin Bacon and or sorry, the, the Cruz versus Bacon scene, they do it. They constantly they, they remind you in the courtroom and she does that aside with him before he goes in to interrogate jessup and talks about it this whole if you're in a military court-martial you cannot accuse or disrespect a decorated officer or you'll be held in contempt and ruin your entire life yeah they just keep amping it up they come at it four different ways and i don't think that all four of them were necessary right that last one least of all yeah although Agreed. that's why he's uh it it lends weight to why he seems so shaky at the beginning of what I would submit as the Act 3 title. Which is? You can't handle the truth. That's the obvious choice, and definitely a contender. I would also maybe go with uh, something like We Were Supposed to Fight for Willie. Oh, that's nice. What about you, Lieutenant Weinberg? <laughs> that is so perfect. That's one of the best lines in the entire movie. <laughs> Because he's like, you, you fucking pussy. <laughs> he specifically calls him out. Who's going to protect yeah. us? You, you, you fucking pussy. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. And you this is... Lieutenant uh, Weinberg. <laughs> this is a great... Funny. Oh, 
sorry go ahead i was gonna say this now we get 22 minutes <laughs> of what could be one of the best back and forths that yeah. i've seen on film it's pretty good it's pretty good it's pretty solid it's the scene like i think if you if you caught few good men on tv it's the scene that you would stop if it was yeah, you near just watch or, it near or close to that scene you would stop and watch it like almost every portion is quotable yeah and i have a i have some clips i i actually clipped um i've titled them jessup irritated one two three and four <laughs> so i thought his irritation because it's it's that like he's trying to goad him he's trying that's the whole thing is he's trying to irritate him and get him flustered he even says it in the uh in the back and forth in the apartment before they go at him you know, I've got to get him off my game and lead him where he's dying to go. Now you think you can get him to just say it? I think he wants to say it. I think he's pissed off that he's got to hide from us. I think he wants to say that he made a command decision and that's the end of it. He eats breakfast 300 yards away from 4,000 Cubans that are trained to kill him. And no one's going to tell him how to run his unit, least of all the Harvard mouth in his faggoty white uniform. I need to shake him, put him on the defensive and lead him right where he's dying to go. That's it? That's the plan? That's the plan. How are you going to do it? I have no idea. See, that's another sign of the times is the use of the word faggot. Yeah, that was very 90s. Yeah, reckless abandon. Rampant. Rampant Um, use. Oh, that just left. That just left what? My thought is gone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's listen to Jessup being irritated, shall we? What do you want to discuss now? My favorite color? (laughs) (laughs) This is ridiculous. Colonel, a moment ago, check the tower logs for Christ's sake. <laughs> oh, for Christ's sake. Yeah, that's what really rattles them is when those yeah. those uh, tower guys come in. Yeah, because it might, they might. And that wasn't in the play. They might not, uh, they might contradict him. I read somewhere that that wasn't in the play. That was one of the things that they added. Oh, no, it was an interview with Rob Reiner on, I was watching on YouTube. Yeah. That was not a part of the original play. That's the thing that my thought came back to me. Tom Cruise, I guess everyone in this film was doing Jack Nicholson impressions while they're filming. And then Tom Cruise did his Jack Nicholson impression. Oh, yeah. Im- impromptu. Yeah. And, uh, and they really liked it. Anyway. It's a pretty bad impression. Yeah, it's not very good. I know what I said. I don't have to have it read back to me like I'm <laughs> writing two orders. <laughs> it catches them. I can, I can have them read it back to you. Yeah. 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 You snotty uh, little bastard. <laughs> <laughs> it gets pretty entertaining. And then we have the 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 scene that this movie is most famous for which produces the you can't handle the truth line which is what number 29 on the american film institute's top 100, top 100. Movie. yeah do you know what number one is no frankly my dear i don't give it don't give a damn jeez number two is I'm, what i'm gonna make him an offer he can't review oh yeah uh, Gone with the Wind and The Godfather. Yeah, yeah, fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. And here is the uh, piece de resistance. Lieutenant Kendrick ordered the code red, didn't he? Because that's what you told Lieutenant Kendrick to do. Object! And when it went bad, you cut country. these guys loose! Your Honor, you had Marcus inside the bony transfer. Your Honor, you doctored the logbook. Damn it, Captain! You coerced the doctor. Consider yourself in contempt. Colonel Jessup! Did you order the code red? You don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. 
You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Son, we live in a world that has walls, and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's gonna do it? You? You, Lieutenant Weinberg? <laughs> I have a greater responsibility than you can possibly fathom. You weep for Santiago and you curse the Marines. You have that luxury. You have the luxury of not knowing what I know. That Santiago's death, while tragic, probably saved lives. And my existence, while grotesque and incomprehensible to you, saves lives. You don't want the truth because deep down in places you don't talk about at parties. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. We use words like honor, code, loyalty. We use these words as the backbone of a life spent defending something. You use them as a punchline. I have neither the time nor the inclination to explain myself to a man who rises and sleeps under the blanket of the very freedom that I provide and then questions the manner in which I provide it. I would rather you just said thank you and went on your way. Otherwise, I suggest you pick up a weapon and stand a post. Either way, I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. Did you order the code red? I did the job. Did you order the code red? You're goddamn right I did! There you yep. go. There it is. One of the, um, I find a lot of movies let you down in the third act, but this movie makes you it wait. Advances? Makes you wait until the end of the third act before it opens up the possibility of disappointment. <laughs> well, it's true. A lot of movies yeah. like hit, hit a peak and then a lot of it's like, you know, action scenes resolving the outcome, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, okay. Right. I like get they it. throw in a fourth act for no reason. Sure. Yeah. Good point. And then um, we come to uh, your second scene appreciate. <laughs> yes, it's uh, honestly I probably should have picked a different a different one because this is it seems like this would be everyone's. Well, it's kind of tied into it's the, like closed out to what we just listened to the famous scene. It's the follow up scene to that scene, and it's yeah. <laughs> it's pretty aggressive. It's when he finds out that he's uh, being arrested. Yes. And he loses his mind. <laughs> it's, hey, it's fine. You could almost call this, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I, I titled it Piss Dead Skull, but you could also yeah. call it True Colors. I don't know. Oh, yes. Yeah. We see his true colors. The members of the corporal will retire to an anteroom until further instructed. All right. What the hell is this? Colonel, what's going on? I did my job. I do it again. I'm going to get on a plane and go on back to my base. You're not going anywhere, Colonel. MPs, guard the Colonel. Yes, sir. Captain Ross. What the hell is this? Colonel Jessup, you have the right to remain silent. Any statement. I'm being charged with a crime. Trial by court martial. Is that what this is? Or administrative. I'm being charged with a crime. Right to consult with a lawyer prior to any further questions. This is funny. This lawyer may be a civilian lawyer appointed by you at your own expense. I'm going to rip the eyes out of your head and piss at your dead skull. You fucked with the wrong Marine. You know what is uh, probably one of my favorite visuals of this film is when he goes back and picks up his hat. (laughs) I just, it's like he, this huge explosion. And then he's like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. Yep. Back to being a colonel. All you did was weaken a country today, Kathy. Yep. Uh, so good. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, what do we got? I think that's that's it, except for the uh, we're supposed to fight for Willie. The accused are hereby sentenced to time already served 
and you are ordered to be dishonorably discharged from the Marine Corps. This court martial is adjourned. All rise. What does that mean? How? What did that mean? I don't understand. Colonel Jessup said he ordered the code red. I know. Colonel Jessup said he ordered the code red. What did we do wrong? It's not that simple. What did we do wrong? We did nothing wrong! Yeah, we did. We were supposed to fight for people who couldn't fight for themselves. We were supposed to fight for Willie. And that's uh, that's a few good men. And uh, definitely definitely worthy to be on the inaugural episode of Preach. I think it's, a, as you said it, Andrew, it's a safe choice. It's something that we can embrace, uh, nitpick a little bit, and um, still enjoy watching it moving forward. Yes, I agree with myself and you. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to flip a coin and see who picks next time. Uh, I don't have a coin with me. Do you? Uh, yeah, I do, actually. Cool. I have a nickel. I'll take the beaver. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, it is a beaver. So I get to choose the next movie we preach. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else you want to add about... Um, a few good men. I know that there's a possibly a little bit of conversation we can have before we sign off about <clears throat> the poster and the trailer, marketing effectiveness, things of this nature. I know you were talking about wanting to bash the trailer. <laughs> I I did want to bash the trailer. We don't need to watch it. Um, the, the poster is not really, there's not a lot to talk about. It's a basic poster. It's got the stars of the movie, big, huge faces in, in descending order based on their pay scale i'm assuming oh and one of my favorite things though is uh there is a poster where demi moore is missing just like mm. the script revolving around her character yeah there's a big dark space in the middle yeah and if, you, uh, and if you zoom in all the way on the poster into that black space in between tom cruise and jack nicholson's faces yeah there's enough room for her if you zoom in all the way you can see it. You can see. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can see uh, sexism. There it is. There it is. Yeah. It's right in the middle. You got to zoom in. Well, this is the movie with the most sexist scene. That's true. Number one on the top 10. Yeah. <laughs> don't ask us what two through nine are. Yeah. Or two through 10 are. Yeah. Because we don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So poster is awkward. Uh, the trailer makes this look like a really, really horrible TV movie. Uh, which I'm glad. I'm glad we didn't watch uh, this trailer on a Trailer Park podcast because I would have ripped it apart. <laughs> yeah, no, it's absolutely awful. Are we clear? Yeah. Are we clear? Uh, crystal, crystal. Yeah, yeah. There's not uh, nothing positive to say. I think we're we're gonna we're gonna find that out though. That movie trailers have changed over the years and have oh. actually become an art form unto themselves and back in the day they were kind of just in their infancy yeah figuring out how to do them effectively is it weird that in 92 that was in its infancy well a lot of the, the further you go back the more you get that guy's voice 
The, yeah, uh, that guy's voice. Yeah. One, oh, the movie trailer. One guy. man. Yeah. That guy. And he's in so many of them. He's just the trailer guy. Yeah. he's Well, he was in all of them. Like, if it was a movie trailer, it used to have him, didn't it? I think, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's good that he's uh, not in them anymore. It's not good that he's dead, but that uh, that no longer happens. Did you ever hear the trailer for Jerry Seinfeld's Comedian? No. I'm going to play it for you after we're done recording. Okay. Um, Um, That's all I got. Two hours and 18 minutes of... Yeah, the runtime. There's two hours of great film. Runtime's pretty severe, actually. You don't really feel it. I I would suggest to you that the scene that they could definitely cut is the scene where they read uh, Santiago's letter and and, uh, have a conversation and, and tell you in the first act of the movie what went down between Jessup and Markinson and Kendrick because Markinson tells you in the backseat of that car later in the movie what went down. So you don't need... That's enough. You don't need the scene. The scene just ruins it. That's... It ruins the reveal of what actually happened and it takes away dramatic tension. So... And I would also position that that scene is the... is, um, is what exposes this movie as originating from a play. Right. That uh, scene with Jessup in the back of the car isn't in the play. Markinson, the back. Markinson, sorry, yeah. Well, there you go. See, so they yeah. added a scene that allowed them to remove the other scene, but didn't probably because Nicholson was in it. Oh yeah, that's the intro to him, and right. you need that fuck line. Yeah, they need a scene with Nicholson earlier in the movie to appease the whole like we have a star in the movie on the poster that people came to see. Yeah, angle, which is I guess fine, but from a cinephile standpoint. Uh, don't care about any of that shit. It's it's a marketing-driven decision. It's not a story-driven decision. Right. And if you're going to make uh, movies about sport, like about a guy and make him a sports guy, then you need to like... Uh, wear the clothes. Well, yeah, you need to wear the clothes properly, but you also need to... I, I was going to trash him for not having any sports references at all, but I realized that he said uh, six months is nothing. It's a hockey season, so I got to back off. yeah he got the one sport reference in there yeah well i just think that a sports guy should make sports references and i thought that there was zero and i um in my own scene appreciate i was i was uh, proven wrong so i need to shut my mouth yeah and in your other scene appreciate he also told jack he's a lousy fucking softball player so oh shit he talks about it shit there's two yeah okay all right yeah i need to shut my fucking mouth um (laughs) How about the jury? Do you want to say anything about the jury uh, racial component? (laughs) Five white males, one white female, two black males, one black female. Uh, It seems like for the time, there's uh, way more women on that jury than suitable would be expected. Yeah. You'd think it would just be an all white male jury. Well, it tells you how racist things were. I mean, black people, they talk, they talk a good game about racism, but Latinos and Asians are getting really shat on here. Like there's the uh they got no showing at all. The Asian community in film is uh pretty atrocious. Yeah, there you go. See? Yeah. How about uh Galloway and Caffey? They're definitely not friends after this, right? Like, yeah, we got not guilty and uh they were dishonorably discharged, but we did our job and everything's great and we bonded over this experience, but they're at each other so much back oh, and forth the in this movie. Sexual tension is right. through Do the they, roof. That's my question. Sorry, Aaron, but do they fuck first before they never speak to each other? Yeah. Rob yeah. Reiner was talking about how he was really happy that they gave so much sexual attention and then didn't follow through with it. Um, 
that was like a, a high point for him. Oh, which, because it was like a self-righteous, uh, we didn't we didn't give in to the tropes. Yeah. I'm so proud of myself. Right. Wow. But they did because there could have just been no sexual tension. No? I don't know. Um, they definitely create sexual tension just on the fact that it's what? A man and a I woman? A man and a woman? Just uh, being in a back and forth with each other. Oh, no, no, no. And then they do the whole date thing. Are you asking me on a date? Sound, yeah. Sounded like a date. Mm, don't wear that perfume. Yeah, there's definitely... Yeah, Sam's perfume is off the charts. Yeah, no, there's bullshit no. there. Fuck off. Don't... Yeah. Fuck off. <clears throat> yeah, it happens. Is that all you got? That's all I got. All right. Well, let's not uh, belabor the point. We're going to go out on a story from Kevin Pollack from being on the true... Or sorry, from being on A Few Good Men. And that'll be the end. All right? Lovely. Cool. Can't stress enough how intimidating this whole experience was. No formal training as an actor. I did a half dozen movies, you know, Ricochet, Willow. And so I show up to rehearsal for A Few Good Men and I'm freaking out. You know, there's Tom Cruise, there's Demi Moore. The three of us are going to rehearse our scenes. But the moment I arrive, giant movie star Tom Cruise treats me like an equal. So I see him making a note in his script and he's using this pen... This is not a Mont Blanc. This is like Mont Blanc on steroids. It's a ridiculous giant, the kind of pen you want a movie star to use. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I will go up to him and say, hey, Tom, they don't make a bigger pen? Really? <laughs> I bet we could find one. Come on. Yeah. It's like- and he laughs, you know, and, he, and, and so I'm busting his balls the whole fucking day about this pen. Every chance I get, I'm giving giant movie star Tom Cruise shit about his stupid pen. And at, at the end of the day, he goes, yeah, 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 funny. Write with it. And he hands it to me. And I grab it out of his hand and I go, it was a big fucking deal, Tom. It's a pen. And I start to write and I go, oh, shit. (laughs) It's like an angel wing floating on a cloud. It was (laughs) it was a magical pen. The The Cadillac. It like had a suspension system in the ballpoint or whatever. I mean, the pen tried to go down on me at one point. It was an insane fucking pen. So now Demi sees that I'm freaking out about the pen. So now she wants to know more about the pen. But this is 20-something years ago in 1992. You couldn't take out your smartphone and Google this fucking pen. You, she had to send people out on horseback. They came back and read from a scroll about the pen. Oh my. This pen is available uh, in one store in the United States. It was made in Paris, France, and it was available at Barney's in New York. And the pen cost 500 bucks. To me, that's the exact number that tells me I will never own this fucking pen. <laughs> I don't give a shit what happens after a few you good men. You become covetous Fuck of this, this pen. pen. Yeah. So 10 days or so later, we're shooting the film, sitting in my ass, in my trailer, doing nothing knock on the door open it up there's tom's assistant and he hands me a wrapped gift i open it up it's one of these fucking pens and it's in this teak triangle rectangle box crazy and i go to tom's trail and i go what the fuck <laughs> and he goes you love the pen right I go, yeah but tom i've known you like 10 days you should talk to somebody this isn't yeah. right Stop. yeah and he goes no no you love the pen so later that day i'm making a note in my script uh with a different pen And Tom sees me and he goes, Kev, where's the pen? And I said, oh, Tom, (laughs) I can't use the pen. No, the pen goes on the mantle in my house. People come over my house and I point to the pen with my hand. I gesture to it. And I tell people a story about the pen. It'll be the greatest pen story they ever fucking hear. (laughs) Tom, I can't use the pen because if I do, I might lose the pen. And that can never fucking He, he laughs, he gets it, but he. But then I notice he's sort of crestfallen. And oh. so I swear to you, six days later, sitting my ass in the trailer, knocking the trailer door, open it up. There's Tom's assistant, hands me this wrap gift, and says, oh, Tom wants you to use the other pen. That's not 
multimillionaire movie star Tom Cruise showing off. That was his way of saying, I get it. You've made your point. Put that one on the mantle and now use this fucking pen. <laughs> That was from an interview on a podcast called The Chive. Uh, that's wonderful. See you next time, everybody, on Bruce. Harold? Sir? You don't need to wear a patch in your arm to have honor. Tin Hut! There's an officer on